if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Rob. I am the student ministry director here uh, at Northview. Uh, Steve asked me to help kick off the Christmas series, which uh, is pretty cool. So Christmas this year is unexpected grace. Five areas that connect Christmas, God, and of course, the coming of Jesus. We're going to be looking at the truth, not just the idea, but the truth that God came, that Christmas he showed up. And we're going to start Christmas with the most simple innocent way. We're going to talk about a baby. All right. Pretty easy, pretty simple. We're going to talk about a baby Uh, because that's how Christ chose to enter our world. He wanted to experience our full situation and circumstances here. So he decided the best way to do that would be to enter life the same way that each and every one of us did as well. This series actually builds on the one that Pastor Steve just wrapped up last week on, this, uh, on the book of Malachi, uh, in which we explored the idea that that was the beginning of the 400 years of silence between God and his people. If you miss any of that, I encourage you to jump online to the website and you can get caught up and you'll be able to see how some of, that, uh, some of what was taught in Malachi connects to the story of Christmas and the beginning of the New Testament. Uh, but before we go too much farther, would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Dear Lord, thank you for this church family being here this morning. Thank you for the story of your love, your grace, uh, that we get to dial into this Christmas season. I pray for this morning, Lord, that we all get something out of it. I pray that it truly be you and not me up here this morning, uh, revealing your truth and your grace. Be with us this morning, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. So before we talk about Jesus, and even before Jesus was born, there's another baby that I want to talk about. So if you think babies are innocent and chill, that's good because we're talking about two of them this morning. So it's even more relaxing. Uh, This particular baby is the connect point between Pastor Steve's series in Malachi and the New Testament. This baby was the fulfillment of several key prophecies in Malachi and Isaiah. And he is the one that ends the 400 years of silence between God and his people. His name? John. A lot of us know him better as John the Baptist. John lived at the same time as Jesus. They grew up together. They knew each other. Uh, But his ministry, the intent of his ministry was to pave the way and to begin Jesus' ministry. Uh, As the connect point, as we see how John the Baptist connects Malachi and the New Testament, I think it's important to go back to the book of Malachi, to see a couple of the things that Pastor Steve taught on. We were given a lot Uh, during the last series, so it's important to focus on a couple of those things. And you can see them uh, up here. So the first one, Malachi 3, verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. This is a prophecy uh, from God to his people through Malachi, saying that he is sending his messenger to prepare a way before Jesus. That his son, that he himself, that God was coming but there would be somebody else coming right before it who would work to prepare the hearts and minds for the people so they would know who Jesus was. We also see in Malachi 5 and 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Uh, This is a reference. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and this is a prophecy saying that, that he will come again before the awesome and wonderful day of the Lord. So here we have, in the series that we just finished, we have two prophecies regarding somebody coming before Jesus. And that's the last word that God's people are left with. 
the last thing God tells them is there's someone coming who's going to herald me in. And then it stops. If we fast forward to Matthew chapter 11, we get to see the explanation of these prophecies. One of the things I love most, I tell students this all the time, is when Jesus himself within the Gospels teaches truth and explains things for us. And we get to see that in the book of Matthew uh, chapter 11. Uh, This is Jesus saying, For all the prophets and all the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he who is is the Elijah who would come. So this is Jesus saying that John the Baptist is in fact the Elijah that Malachi talked about. That he is the one who was prophesied. Now for us, it's super quick. The the 400 pages that we see in the Bible um, are just, or the 400 years are just a couple pages between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But we have to remember that this is 400 years between the prophecy and the fulfillment. Uh, I want to make a few important notes about John the Baptist. At the time of his birth, there was a lot of speculation. There was a lot of wonder that accompanied it. His parents were old, they were barren, and they'd been seeking, if it was God's will, that he give them a child. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and said, not only would they be given a child in their, own, in their old age, but that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. We read about this in the book of Luke chapter 1. When the angel says to John's father, do not be afraid, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. The angel tells John's parents that not only is this baby coming, but the Holy Spirit has a special task and a special job already set in motion for him. And some of the the crazy circumstances, there's so much more that we could dive into with John the Baptist, with his parents, with this whole story around them. It actually caused a lot of people to wonder if John the Baptist was, in fact, the Messiah that had been promised to them. And they began to follow him. They began to listen to him and watch him to see if it was. But it's important that we know that John the Baptist was not the message promised in the Old Testament. He was simply the messenger that God desired to use. He was not the Messiah, but he was the forerunner before Jesus. See, John holds a very special place in history as he serves as Jesus' herald, as the one who goes before to proclaim who is coming. Uh, In today's terms, we might say that Jesus was John's promoter. And when I look at this, I went to Seattle Pacific University. I graduated with a degree in marketing. And I look at John the Baptist, and I'm like, ah, the original ad agency. All right, he's got this. He's, he's sharing the message about Jesus. And when we think about that, when we start thinking about John's ministry in that role, what a really cool, awesome, terrifying, humbling, incredible job that must have been. John ended the 400 years of silence that started at the end of Malachi when he began to preach about the coming Messiah. If we think about it in another way, his job... It was simple. It was just to get people pumped. All right, I work with students. I see them get excited over the most ridiculous things, and it's awesome. You see, like that's why we have announcements. We throw videos. There's all sorts of stuff. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys know or care, but uh, yesterday, I believe it was, there was a trailer for 
the next Avengers movie. Why do we have trailers like this? To get people excited for something that's coming. And that's what John the Baptist was. We uh, see in Matthew chapter 3, a little snippet of his ministry. Uh, It says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. You see, John's method of preaching, even by some of today's standards, was pretty radical and crazy. The, The guy lived in the wilderness. He wore clothing made out of rough camel skin. He ate locusts. He probably looked pretty crazy, yet people came to him. He was in the wilderness, yet people showed up to hear the message about the Messiah that he was talking about. He wasn't always the most civil or the most normal, but he's one of the most obedient servants of God that we see in Scripture, even though it ultimately led to his death. The time between John's ministry and Jesus' ministry was not very different. They were essentially the same age. Their mothers were pregnant at the same time. We're going to see that in just a moment. Uh, So John had to get to work early. We don't necessarily know how old he was. I was reading again this morning. There's a lot of, in the year of so-and-so, ruler of this area. I, I don't really know how that translates to John's age, but his ministry began at a young age. He could have been in his late teens or his 20s. We know that Jesus' ministry began right around when he was 30 years old. Oh, cool. (laughs) That's today for me. Nice. Uh, You would think I had realized that before right now. I had not, so welcome. Uh, It just goes to show you that with John the Baptist, like God uses people at whatever time in life, in whatever season, and whatever way he needs to get his message spread. Now, I don't know about you, but looking at John the Baptist and talking about him as the herald of Jesus raises up a question in my mind. Why did Jesus need someone to go before him? We believe that Jesus is God. We believe that God is all-powerful, all-knowing. We read about him in Scripture. And if he is really as incredible as the Bible would lead us to believe... Why does he need someone to go before him? What we don't often realize is that having a herald, having a representative go before someone of influence, authority, and power was a pretty common practice back in this day. And even it carries through to today. Think about it this way. If for his first time showing up on earth, Jesus had come down in a blaze of glory If we take what we see in Revelation with Jesus coming on a white horse with a sword of fire descending upon the enemies of his people, if he was to do that at this point as his first arrival on the scene, claiming how great he was and that everyone should listen, I don't know about you, but I probably would have backed off. Like this, whatever's happening right now is nuts and I don't want any part of it. Jesus demonstrated humility all-powerful God, even in his birth, chose to enter our world humbly as a baby. I think we could agree, if there's anyone in history that could be proud, that could boast a little bit about some of the things that they've done, it, it might be Jesus, right? The guy created everything. He might be able to, to say that. 
yet he chose to proclaim who he was through his actions. He did not stand on a hill all high and mighty proclaiming with loud, big words and fanfare who he was. He chose to enter creation as a baby and leave on a hill hanging on a cross silent. That's how Jesus tells us how great he is. That's the God that at Christmas time we get to come and worship and talk about. And that's why John went before him. John went before to tell people who Jesus was to prepare their hearts and their minds. We even see as uh, Jesus' ministry begins, John encouraging his own disciples, his own followers, to follow after Jesus, that he is not the Messiah, that they need to pursue him. Now, there is a, main, a, a big connect point between John, Jesus, and today's topic of God coming to earth, but we're going to get to that in a second. Because first, before that, we need to lay the foundation of Christmas. We need to see the meaning behind what happened. John went on and did incredible things for the kingdom, but he's not the focus of what we're looking at this morning. The Christmas story can be found in great detail in the Gospels, the first four books of the Bible, especially in Matthew and Luke. Um, But to help summarize, we're going to go a little bit further into the New Testament, to the book of Galatians, uh, which actually John had up during the worship set. So it's like it was planned. It was not planned. It's great. Uh, Galatians 4, 4 through 5. You see it there. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive sonship. This passage provides us teaching that Jesus was born at just the right time. Think about that. Throughout all of history, through every moment that's existed, Scripture tells us that Jesus came at exactly the right moment. That when the fullness of time had come, Jesus was willingly born of a woman and came into the world to pave the way to our salvation. The exact moment here began the process to salvation. God doesn't do things by mistake or at the wrong time, although we often might think that. We often think we would do it better, greater, more perfect than he would. But God's plan is so much more wonderful and incredibly more perfect than anything we could ever do. And with Christmas, we get to see a piece of that come into action. We get to see a piece of his timing come about. Now you see, with with Christmas, God entered into our midst. Jesus himself was born into our world. To put it as simply as I can, God showed up. Throughout the Old Testament, he promised that he would, and he did. He came onto our own turf, took on our likeness, walked our planet, and in order to demonstrate his love and provide salvation for all of us. This moment of Jesus' birth is followed with, or is, 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 uh, follows a period of great anticipation from the very beginning of time. If we, if we peel it back, if we study, if we look at scripture, we see that Not just God's chosen people of Israel, but really all of humanity, whether they knew it or not, had been waiting to be saved. I want you to think about something in your life uh, that you've looked forward to with anticipation. Now, 
this time of year, it's pretty easy to think of some of those, especially for, for the kids thinking about Christmas morning. Getting to come down the stairs, see the tree, see the gifts, spend the day with family and friends. There's so many people that spend weeks or even months letting the anticipation of Christmas just grow within them until it comes out in full excitement on Christmas Day. I was usually woken up on Christmas because I like to sleep in. For, for those of you that are parents, I imagine that there was some level of anticipation between the time of finding out you were pregnant until welcoming in a son or daughter into your life. You knew that something was coming. You knew that something was going to change, yet you knew you had to be patient for just the right time. Maybe there's parents among you that are like my parents, that have adopted in some form or fashion. There's also incredible anticipation with that as they waited for a pretty crazy phone call saying, hey, you should be at the hospital because your son's being born 30 years ago today. Like, that's awesome. The people of Israel had been waiting in anticipation as well. For countless generations, they were waiting for God to fulfill his promise. Time and time again throughout Scripture, God promised that he would come. He promised. And on Christmas morning, we celebrate the fact that he fulfilled that promise. Through prophecies, through foreshadowing, through circumstances and situations that we see in the Old Testament, everything from God covering the nakedness of Adam and Eve to Moses freeing Israel from Egypt to the words of the prophets, we see, prophets, we see the framework building to Christmas morning. It didn't happen how the people thought it would. But for all of us, how often does God working in our lives always look like we think it should? But it happened exactly as God had planned and promised. And that gets us to Christmas morning, the day that God stepped into our world. You see, Christmas Day, is, it, it's the day that changed everything. Since the first moment when a precious baby was born into a humble major, nothing has ever been the same and nothing will be the same from that moment. I would argue that Christmas Day is the single greatest day in history. I would continue that argument with saying that Good Friday, the day Jesus died on the cross, and Easter Sunday, the day that he rose from the grave, are also in the top three. But let's take Easter, the day that Jesus defeated sin and death. It doesn't happen if he never shows up. It doesn't happen without day one. Take any situation or circumstance in life and you'll realize it doesn't happen without day one. Now, my, my lovely wife is up here. Uh, we had our, our one year just last month and our wedding day was awesome. It was on a chilly, probably cloudy, rainy November day. Uh, it was great. Our engagement was awesome. It was uh, on Muckleteo Beach on a Friday in July, July 14th. Look at that. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> it was the last day of EBS, so it was a long day. Those two days in themselves are incredible and wonderful. But neither of them would have happened 
without day one. And Amanda and I didn't necessarily meet in the most conventional way. We met online, so nothing would have happened without that first message being shared or without our first face-to-face date. And it's the same at Christmas. It's not the same without day one. And I'll be fair, we could, you, you could come up after service and we could argue and debate the order of Christmas, Easter, and Good Friday. But we're still talking about three days throughout all of history. I don't care if you're a young earth, old earth, whatever you, whatever you consider to be the age of the world, three days out of that time frame is still significant. So we can still be on the same page to see how special Christmas is. Maybe to you it's day two of those three. That's fair. It's the day that the Old Testament, that thousands of years of God speaking and planning with people trusting, it's the day that the whole Old Testament points to. And it's the day that the rest of the Gospels, that the letters in the New Testament, that Revelation, that the establishment of the church that the development and spread of Christianity around the globe, including here this morning, reflects and flows out of. It's the most pivotal moment in history because in it, Jesus fulfilled his promise to arrive. And it happened just as he said it would. Scripture prophesizes the town, the time, the fact that Mary was a virgin. Every single thing that happened went exactly as God planned. And at Christmas, we celebrate and remember that God came. So when we think about the fact, the truth that God showed up, my question is, what is our response? How do we really take that? When we take a step back and think about the Christmas story demonstrates that God is doing exactly what he said he would do, what is our reaction? Another thing I love about Scripture is that it always provides examples. So when we wonder, when we look at Christmas and we wonder what our reaction is supposed to be, all we have to do is look at the examples of Christmas. And we get to see three responses that happened during Christmas morning. The first happens with this, this group of guys. Maybe there's some gals too. Don't know, wasn't there. And uh, they're out in the fields and they're keeping an eye over their sheep. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, the heavens open up. And we know about it, we sing about it, that the angels began proclaiming, the shepherds, rightly so, were afraid. I don't know about you guys, but if I was camping in the middle of the wilderness, and there was all of a sudden an explosion of light and sound, I'd be scared. But the angels tell them not to be afraid. And they tell them that in the town just just over there, there's been born a baby. And a lot of us in that situation, again, we're in the wilderness. Someone comes up and says, hey, there was a baby born. All right, good for them. But what the shepherds do is they drop what they're doing and they head to find him. They go to seek out Jesus. They come before him with reverence and then they go forward from there spreading the news to everyone that they can find. The second example of a reaction to Jesus showing up uh, is the wise men. We don't know where they came from.
They're from the east. Some people think that that's from Babylon. Some people think uh, what's now Turkey or uh, India or China. We don't know. But what we do know is they saw a star. And they recognized the symbol of this star for what it was, and they sought it out. And it led them to Jesus. They traveled a great distance to come before the king and to kneel down before him and to offer him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But perhaps the best reaction loops back to what we started talking about at the very beginning. And that's John the Baptist. And his reaction to Jesus showing up can be found in the book of Luke chapter 1. Verses 39 through 42. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This has taken place when both Elizabeth and Mary are pregnant with Jesus and John. And when Mary, with the Christ inside her, walks into the house, John leaps in his mother's womb. He recognizes who has just entered. He gets to experience Jesus firsthand. And let's keep in mind, this is, these are two infants in the womb. They're still developing. They're still growing. We don't know how far along they are, but it doesn't really matter. Infants in the womb don't really know a whole lot of what's going on outside of their little world. Yet John knew he was in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he leapt. I have not and will never be pregnant, but ladies, I don't know how comfortable that sounds to you. But what a great reaction and reminder to being in the presence of Jesus. When we begin to understand more of who he is and the fact, the truth that he showed up, we should be leaping for joy as well. This Christmas season, I want to encourage all of us to think about how we should respond to God showing up. How are we impacted by the truth that God said he would come and he did? That he said he'd be there. How many times in our lives have we hosted an event to have someone tell us they're going to be there and then they just never show up? Not that any of us would be that person. We've only ever been the recipient of that, right? But God marked, yes, I'll be there. And then he shows up right on time. All of these three reactions are wonderful and appropriate. I just get taken aback by the example of John the Baptist leaping for joy at Jesus. And if a baby in the womb recognizes the power of the Holy Spirit, we should be able to as well. I like to invite the, the worship team to come back up as we, as we head home here. And I want to encourage you guys this morning to remember that God came. But really, we get to continue the celebration because he's still with us. Jesus ascended into heaven 
but left us the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, to stay with us, to guide us, to help us grow in Him. We remember that God promised He would show up, and He did. We get to see prophecy and promises and foreshadowings in the Old Testament come to light in a moment, and that God's period of silence to His people was over. Next week, Pastor Steve will be back, and he's going to be answering uh, the question of why did God come? We can talk about the fact that he did, but, but why did he? And I'm going to give you guys a little spoiler. It has everything to do with the fact that he loves each and every one of you. Let's pray, and then we'll go back to worship. Lord, thank you for the fulfillment of your promises. Thank you for Christmas where we get to remember the truth that you came, that you're here with us, that you work in your time and your time is perfect. May we celebrate you this morning, Lord. May we continue to worship you just as you deserve. Amen.